Hello, I'm David Park, and this is Beyond the Script. This podcast is for decision makers looking to grow their company. Through our conversations with current game changers, we learn their insights, stories, and tactics that we can use to grow today. Covered in blood, and That's my nose was like just oh. bleeding oh everywhere from just an anxiety, like that, stress. That is crazy. And I was looking down, and I was like, like, wow. In this episode, we talk with Nick Nanakos from Truck Bucks, creating apps for food trucks. All right, welcome to Beyond the Script. We have Nick Nanakos from Truck Bucks. How are you? I'm great, David. Thank you for having me. All right, great. Tell us about your company and your role. Sure. So my name is Nick. I am the CEO and founder of Truck Bucks. Truck Bucks is the app for food trucks. So um, essentially, I started the, this company while I was attending Drexel University. Uh, started the finance route. Was working at J.P. Morgan. Did a lot of real estate companies, and was extremely unha- unhappy doing the finance angle. So while I was there, I started the concept of the app for food trucks. And at Drexel University, University City in general, there's a ton of food trucks, but they have a, extremely long lines and wait times. 72% of food trucks are cash only, and uh, they're extremely difficult to locate because of the fact that they're mobile. So I started um, the company my third year with my co-founder, and basically, to make a long story short, Truck Bucks, when customers download it, allows you to find nearby food trucks based on your location. You can see their ratings, menus, photos, um, location, cuisine, and you can order ahead, paying however you want, using Venmo, Apple Pay, or card, and you get a quick alert when it's ready. So um, last year I left school to pursue this full time and I've been going at it ever since. How'd you get this idea? Instinctively, I come from a background of food entrepreneurship. So like my grandfather came here, started in the food business with a food cart, selling hot dogs and the rest of his family came over and they saved up to get into the restaurant industry. Beyond that, my family has been in the restaurant industry their entire lives. My mom, my father, owning restaurants, steakhouses, diners, cafes, and we still own two Greek restaurants in uh, New York today. Same thing with my aunts, my uncles, so it's kind of like in our blood. Being on campus, I just noticed all these food trucks. So what I, based on the problems that I mentioned earlier, it's it was kind of like hidden in plain sight to me that people did not want to wait. They value time and convenience above all else. Cash is becoming obsolete, so people want f- flexible payment options. And then in addition to that, I sympathized with the vendors because I noticed that they were losing a lot of potential sales due to the lack of our technology. And nobody created any kind of technology that was really um, entering the space of food trucks. And now food trucks are over a $2.7 billion industry. They were essentially non-existent in 2008. They're rapidly surging. There's been a 300% increase in revenue in the past three years, and there's no sign of that slowing down. So. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I remember food trucks when I was living in California. We would have the whole <laughs> Twitter moment where we would no- figure out, like, oh, these guys are coming here. and you know, Exactly. That exactly. That's a great point because... That's how people prior to truck bucks were using um, using social media to connect with trucks, like checking their individual truck Twitter feeds to see what their hours of operation were, where they were on a given day, which is kind of like ridiculous when you think about it. Um, and, you know, super prehistoric. So, and to your point, LA has the most food trucks in the entire country. So California in general is an amazing food truck market. You no, see okay. them everywhere. 
What are you guys uh, focusing on? Like, what areas? Well, right now we're based out of Philadelphia. Um, we've signed up trucks in several different cities outside the United States, many of which came to us. We even had a truck from Australia reach out to us to join the platform. Um, but primarily right now, the the main focus is to maximize the full growth potential of Philadelphia. And by that, I mean signing up every single truck here and acquiring every single possible customer. Also converting people who would not have otherwise eaten at a truck to to do that now because of what we've created. And we've seen that evidently on Drexel University where some students would tell us that they haven't eaten at a truck in four years or never before. And now it's a daily or at least every other day thing that they're doing through our app. Guys that are running the truck, why do they usually sign up? Well, I think it's obvious when you approach a vendor why they should be using truck bucks, right? Because once again, like trucks are 72% cash only. And I think that if you just did a, a survey or an experiment, you stand curbside where food trucks are, you will see how many people walk up to a truck and they're extremely excited. They look so intrigued, ready to eat. And then they ask if they accept card and the truck will answer no cash only and the people walk away. I watched it happen for years nonstop every single day at Drexel University and it was kind of like crazy to me um, so you have that aspect where you know um, the trucks realize that they're losing out on sales because people don't want to pay with cash secondly is um, people are just waiting a long time like it's inconvenient you know you have corporate workers where there's food trucks parked outside their office and they're spending their entire lunch break in line for 30 minutes right like that's not something they want to happen um, and then to the final point is really that you you optimize the the truck's business you make their you streamline their entire business you you allow them to produce more output within their limited capacity because a food truck is small it's tiny their main objective is to say how many people can we serve in this limited amount of space when you're not using truck bucks you have to engage with the customer talk to them maybe they change their mind maybe they ask you a lot of questions then you have to write down their order ticket, pass it to the back, staff cooks it, then you have to prepare it, package it, give it to the customer, handle a transaction, you just wasted a lot of time. Whereas with truck bucks, it's literally like an order comes in, you accept it, you know everything you need to know about the customer, and then it's one more button. Just tell them when it's ready and they come up, they pick it up and the transaction it's already paid for. Vendors get direct deposited once a week. It's so streamlined. It right. allows them to, to create more business and obviously please a lot more customers. Okay. Do you have any current insights in your industry right now? I know like Ritual is actually a pretty big app, but they're more for the city and pickup location. Yeah, Ritual is impressive because um, like a lot of people will ask me like, well, what are you going to do if Grubhub goes into the space or what are you going to do if Uber Eats goes into the space? And it's kind of like, look, the restaurant industry is like over an $800 billion industry and continuously um, – companies are getting funded insane amounts and a lot of them are doing the same thing and the reason that they're getting funded so much is because there's such a massive market share um, and there's so much room for for people to move into the space still like for example Grubhub and DoorDash they're really not that different they basically do the exact same thing but DoorDash just raised 600 million dollars and they got like a 12 billion dollar valuation and Grubhub is a multi-billion dollar company you have Uber Eats, Postmates, Caviar, and yeah. now Ritual goes into the space. They don't even do delivery. They do order ahead at restaurants with a reward system, and they get funded, like, now I think over $75 million. So, I mean, there's a lot more competition in the restaurant industry, a lot more saturated. On the food truck side, it's a smaller industry, without a doubt, 
but it's also a multi-billion dollar industry and nobody's in that space penetrating that. So if they can compete among each other and in the restaurant sphere, we can do it and own the market entirely um, within food truck tech. There's no competition. You could technically say that like one of these guys could move into that space, Uber Eats, Grubhub, but they're not focusing on the niche of food trucks. When you go on their app, it's completely flooded by thousands of restaurants, so they neglect the trucks, which results in a loss of sales. Um, and ultimately, our app is entirely designed around a food truck experience for both the truck and the customer. Whereas, you know, um, if you're using Grubhub, you're ideally not going to go and use that to, to eat at a food truck. When you leave your house in the morning, it's a very different experience when you decide I'm eating at a truck or a restaurant. So, no, we don't have any direct competitors doing what we're doing. We're the only ones to do this. How are you guys marketing? Well... We, I mean, there's two angles because you got to. We have our customers are not only the people that are using the app and paying, but our customers are, of course, the trucks, right? So to market to the trucks is a variety of different ways which we do it. I mean, typically they're all over the city, so it's a lot. It's very easy to go up to them, talk to them, give them the pitch, and and sign them up on spot. That's the most effective way. But then you have this the other half, which is more intangible. And you reach them digitally, online, Instagram, email, you call them, you partner with certain food truck associations and acquire multiple vendors in one shot, saving you a lot of time and um, a lot of capital as well. Then to the user side, it's, it's very similar. I mean, one thing that can't be underestimated, especially for a growth business like ours, is talking to the users in person and standing outside of trucks, putting our signage on every single truck, like we have our, our sticker on every truck that we sign up and we've converted hundreds of users from standing in line with no alternative to pay, uh, no alternative to cash except for truck bucks. So when they go to pay with card, the truck tells them you have to download truck bucks and that's hundreds of downloads are being instantly done. We talk to them, we give them promos, we give them discounts, we do events. And then of course we reach our customers um, online, you know, social media, email as well. Um, and then, of course, in-app engagement as well, too. How do you guys monetize? So we take a percentage of sale um, from every order from the truck. Oh, I see. That makes sense. Because it's a value add. Yes, of course. Okay. Like, we, like, like one, like our, I'll use our top-performing truck as an example, but from the day they joined us to mm. today, they've had a 518% growth rate oh. of, through Truckbox, and they're doing over 140 orders a day. We made them take their first vacation in 17 years. Oh, my gosh. So we truly are transforming people's lives. Right. You that's, know, and that's the most rewarding yeah, piece of this for sure. That's exciting. Well, do you have any announcements uh, that you want to make? Um, well, most recently we got into um, the YC Startup School program, mm. which is the preliminary step um, before getting into YC's accelerator core accelerator program oh there's different well yes so okay. this is you're not guaranteed to get into their core accelerator program but it's definitely a lot of momentum that um brings you closer to that goal okay. so certain companies that graduate this it's an online course program eight to ten weeks and if you graduate and you're one of the most promising companies you're eligible for a fifteen thousand dollar grant and um companies that are really succeeding and thriving after the completion of this program will typically have an extremely high chance of getting into their core program in which They'll fund you $150,000 and essentially set you up. No better path. Where is that located if you, if you get um, it? <clears throat> it's in Mountain View, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how would you make that transition if you go through? 
Well, it's three months, the program. Okay. YC is three months. Um, basically, you know, you don't have to relocate your company, but if you had to, perhaps that's what you got to do. But they don't force that. It's not mandatory. So you go for three months. Um, your team ideally holds it down in your, in your home base market. They continue to grow it. You meet a lot of people while you're in YC, you refine your company, and um, you meet with some of the top uh, founders there, partners, and they prepare you for Demo Day, which is the end of YC where you pitch in front of hundreds of the top Silicon Valley investors, and um, several companies have raised Series A like within weeks after that, so it's an extremely effective program. Is that the goal for you, to raise money through Series A and B and all that? Yeah, of course. It's just a matter of when. so we're currently raising a round right now. It's a pre-seed round, and, I mean, it, it's going very well. We have a lot of momentum right now. It's expected to close very soon. I just closed a check before coming here to meet with you. Nice. So it's piece by piece, thank you, um, and just one thing at a time. But it's a matter of how much you want to raise, how long you want it to last, and if when is the right timing. So for a company like us right now, raising a Series A or a Series B might not necessarily be the right move. We're a growth business, so a pre-seed round will suffice in order for us to achieve enough growth potential and maximize the entire city of Philadelphia. And then with that growth, the results of that growth, it'll position us to take this model, raise a ton of more capital in a Series A follow-up round, and then duplicate this in all of our target major cities around the country. How are you finding your investors? Depends. I mean, a lot of them reach out to me directly. A lot of them I get through um, warm intros from current investors that are already invested in our company. Mm. Um, a lot of times I'll speak to an investor and maybe if it's not a niche that they focus on, they'll refer me to other investors. A lot of the times I'll even cold cold reach out to investors. Okay. So. Besides reaching out coldly uh, and warm introductions, like how'd you get started with finding investors? And It started with friends and family, of course. Like okay. when you have the idea phase, you need capital. Ultimately you have nothing. You don't have anything tangible. You have no, no product, you have no users. You have an idea, so the first investors in your company are taking a bet on you. They believe in you, they're putting a lot of faith in you, and they're chucking up a lot of money for somebody who's really never ran a business before, right? But the the fact is you just have to have enough conviction and um, purpose behind your idea that they feel that energy, and then they, they take that initial bet on you. And then with that capital that you raise from friends and family, you launch your product, you get far enough, you build up enough traction, uh, and you start talking to more higher level investors, higher net worth net worth individuals, um, and then it kind of is. It's all a thing about momentum in startup. Like it really is. One thing happens after another, and I notice that the less like stagnant you remain, the the more lucky you're going to become. The the more um, investments, the more opportunities unfold and are attracted to you. And it's just true. And uh, you mentioned grants. I talked to. Uh uh, entrepreneurs and they mentioned grants being a huge part of their growth. How has that played a part in your growth? Yeah, I mean we've won, um, like we won five thousand from Drexel Startup Fest. We won another five thousand from um, Tiger Launch um, at Princeton University for the best presentation. We won like ten thousand dollars in legal services from Ballard Spar, which is a great program for Philly entrepreneurs starting off. But it wasn't like the true determining factor of our success because mm-hmm. we we really like ran the company by primarily 
targeting investors and strategic investors. And I've always had a very aggressive approach to, to getting that done quickly and efficiently because no founder wants to spend all of their time fundraising. You want to be focused on your customers, laser focused. Well, just a quick question on the grants. Like, how do you find that resources for that? Yeah, well, some of them came my way. Like, Drexel University did a, did a great job of, you know, making us aware of Startup Fest, and we participated in that competition. Ballard Spar, that program was recommended from a friend, mm. actually. And then um, the Tiger Launch was emailed also through Drexel University because once we won Startup Fest, we were allowed to have incubator space in um, in their office on Drexel's campus. And then from there, we, like, are pretty much, like, we get access to a lot of the entrepreneurial resources going on in the, in the city. Do you have mentors? I do. I have more personal mentors. I don't really, truthfully, like, have anybody in particular. I'm, I'm heavily, like, intuition-based on things. So I take a lot of advice from people. Um, it's not, actually, I should rephrase that. It's not that I always take a lot of advice from people because a lot of times I don't. Um, it's more about I open my mind to a lot of opposing perspectives and I kind of let that refine me and and um, determine my outlook on certain things and ultimately it affects your execution strategy but I do have mentors but they're more life mentors not necessarily company mentors they're more people that keep me grounded and people that people that help define my purpose and motivate me so like family or family Family. Yeah, I would say family. If it's family and a, and a few very, very close friends, which would be considered family. The investors' information, are you getting that from like Crunchbase at all or some other resources? I use Crunchbase if I want to evaluate a company more so and understand their timeline of funding. So like how long did it take this company to raise Series A? Are they in the same industry as us? Um, you know, it's, it's good to see that, what this round size was, who led their round, what kind of VCs target which kind of companies. So it's more of a peace of mind. What's the one question that you keep getting asked from your clients that's repeated over and over? That when are you going to launch delivery? Oh, okay. When are you doing? <laughs> when are you going to launch delivery? So this is the first time I'll publicly mm. be announcing it, but we will be launching delivery mm. um, in the next few months, and um, we have a very unique way of doing that. I can't specify exactly right now. Okay because we're finalizing it, but we will be launching food truck delivery, so customers can now order ahead of food trucks and walk up to the truck and pick it up, but now you're going to be able to have food trucks delivered to your front door or your office or anything, wow. and a driver will drop it off. And So if I have, like, a favorite food truck, I could just get it delivered from them? Yes. Oh, wow. And this is something that Uber and Grubhub and those guys aren't touching? They're not They're not into our space. Right. They're not into our space. They're, right. they're, of course, they're... they're they do an exceptional job at delivery, but they just don't provide for the food trucks. Right. That's great because there's some good food trucks that I want to eat at. but And they take 30%. Right. What do you guys take? We take 15% or 20%. 15% is um, the standard plan that trucks will pay per order. Mm. Um, and that basically gives them full functionality of the app, but they use it on their smartphone because in a truck, it's very small. It's limited space, right? So like you pretty much it's negligible the difference between a tablet and a phone so right. a lot of them prefer that using the app on their phone because they don't want a tablet in their way now that's a, the standard plan for trucks 15 percent of every order the 20 percent plan is the sponsored plan for trucks and this is where we will provide them with a free tablet they'll be prioritized on the app so customers will see that they're sponsored they get more exposure 
So we'll also provide their customers with custom promos and discounts, like several dollars off their order, things like that that are only applicable to that truck. Mm-hmm. In some cases, we do photo shoots for trucks, and we let the trucks keep that. So we, there's a lot of perks that come with that and more to come as we continue to enhance development. I'll save that. Okay, <laughs> but sure. So next stuff. time. Okay. Yes. 33% from those guys, that that sounds like robbery. 30%, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like if you're running a restaurant, you got all this overhead and food costs, exactly. and then you're like, hey, 33 Like you're, you would probably like break even at that point. Or, yes. Your margins are tight to yeah. begin with, so yeah. it's kind of like they come along and they're taking 30%, but they dominate the, the restaurant industry, so... And it would it wouldn't work on food trucks because they're already slim as possible. Right. right away, so. Yeah, people people have a people tend to think like food trucks don't earn that much money, but you know the average food truck makes like four hundred thousand dollars. In crap. some cases, much more than that. Okay. Some of the top performing food trucks, so they they make a lot of a year four hundred thousand. Right. So they make a ton of money, and also the startup cost of a food truck is the difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it could cost you over $300,000 to start a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, a food truck can cost you as low as like 20 to 60K if it's a higher end 100K, right. right? But being a young entrepreneur, being somebody with a lot of talent, being somebody that's a craftsman at food pretty much and very creative, um, kind of like a food truck's one of the best things you can do either if you want to start off with a food truck and branch off into a restaurant or if you want to open a fleet of food trucks and have five different food trucks and, and you know span across the whole country like um cousins lobster is like a yeah. food truck they have like 19 trucks and they were funded by shark tank oh they were funded by sorry one of the judges on shark tank so oh. a lot of growth potential can you share a horror story that you experienced while running the company i actually told this story like last week okay. for the first time so Initially, when we started the product, we outsourced the development to India. And that was fine because it saved us a lot of money. We moved very fast. They did a great job with the product. But then it launched, and it was great, too. People loved it, extremely receptive. We didn't have a lot of bugs. And any that we did, we resolved. But then it gets to the point where you're launching, you're, you're operating, you're growing a customer base, and the product needs to continuously innovate, become more powerful, mm-hmm. right? Because it's tech, so it needs to constantly move fast and innovate fast so when you're outsourcing you're just writing checks and paying people to complete tasks and that's not necessarily what you want how much were you paying depends it really depends on the length of the project complexity but nonetheless it's not so much about the fact that you're paying for it it's more like you want a creative genius on your team who shares the vision and knows how to scale this to a billion dollar company or much larger than that so we went to YC last this was like last year and we made it to the final round of interviews and um, that's pretty impressive because it's less than like three percent of the applicants that get there and, oh, wow. and you know thousands of people apply so it was amazing experience so we got to the final round and we didn't get accepted and okay. the main reason like they give you great feedback was because we didn't have a CTO and our tech was outsourced and we're a tech company we're software and 50% of the business is software so we need a technical founder so we had a really talented individual um, on our team for some time, but he wasn't officially the CTO at the time because he, he was still like gaining his traction with the company as he joined later on. So now a year later, he's our CTO, his name is Summit. He's incredibly talented. He's like worked at Oracle, he's developed other apps. He's, he's just phenomenal. And he manages a team of four other developers underneath him. And- Are they we, based in Philly? Yes, oh. and we're moving 
so fast. It's like yeah. unprecedented, and it's and it's completely transformed our tempo, our speed, our efficiency level. And um, now we're gearing up. We got into the startup school, and come time now, it's like every metric has grown. It's like revenue has grown, users have grown. Getting ready to launch this delivery, the app's gonna look brand new, and with this next update, like Series A level aesthetic. Um, so it's very fierce. We're very lean, and um, pretty much that horror story to get back to that question was when we got denied from YC that first time it's like I came back the same night on a flight and I went back to the office and I just remember having so much overwhelming pressure at that time because there were so many conflicting thoughts in my mind I really thought we were going to get it there was a lot of pressure with different things happening in the company a lot of things happening in my personal life and everything was just like hitting at once so I was just like sitting at the table thinking on the desk and I just remember like feeling so much pressure in the front of my face and like my head and I just like looked down and the whole white table, kind of like this table in front of us, was just red mm. oh. and covered in blood. And That's my nose was like just oh. bleeding oh everywhere from just an anxiety, like that, stress. That is crazy. And I was looking down and I was like, like, wow. But I like went to the bathroom, washed it up, like got my shit together and like right. just was, was moving. And it was the best thing that ever happened because now look at us, like we're exactly where we need to be. And that was the best feedback ever. But all oh, this sounds great and it's awesome but like the Going reason I tell it, yeah. that personal story is because like it's, it's it is tough sometimes yeah you know what I mean I remember like, I remember yeah do you have any uh, favorite resources that you recommend whether it be for learning or things you go back to yeah I watch I watch a lot of videos listen to a lot of audiobooks I'm listening to venture deals right now mm-hmm. as I'm in the fundraising mode um, which has been great because it's taught me a lot as an entrepreneur perspective. It's going to tell you exactly like what you should know and what things you should look out for. So Venture Deals is great. Of course, I like to read. Favorite book is Think and Grow Rich, but I also read a lot of like lifestyle things. And um, I'm also extremely like engaged personally within like political stuff and stuff like that. So I, I find time to read outside of things other than just startup and just my industry. Like I like to be well-versed in everything that's going on around me too. I just think that people should continuously improve themselves, like beyond their business. You know, like, yes, you are attached to your business, of course, but like you also need to be at your top level of performance in your relationships and in your mental health and in your spiritual health and physical health. So it's just constantly being the best version of yourself. What are you doing? Do you have like morning routine or something like that? I started a new morning routine um, where like I wake up and I don't check my phone. for the first 30 minutes of waking up because mm-hmm. kind of like when you wake up the only thoughts that you should have should be your thoughts mm-hmm. right so you you wake up and and i heard this on like another business podcast and i and i adopted this but it's really true it gives you like some transparency when you wake up and some kind of inner peace 30 minutes just take it to yourself go shower like whatever you know like eat some food drink some coffee and then go check the phone but give yourself that time that's a routine I like to stretch like to but truthfully my my main routine is blasting my music what kind of music (laughs) it's interesting because I love rap but I love all kind of music but the reason I love rap is because I think music has an extremely effective way of swaying your mood if you listen to emotional music it's gonna make you emotional like Right, so I love very soft, like nice alternative, like classic rock, even Greek music. Any kind of like, I love that that genre. But when I'm in the zone, it's like I need something that's gonna get me fired up. Actually, I started doing this thing where I got rid of my computer. I just d- disabled it and got rid of my TV. 
I'm in monk mode right now. Amish. Yeah, Amish. Amish. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, all right, got nothing but my desk and my books. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it so far. So far, it you know makes me go outside more and yeah. stuff like. Because otherwise, I'm just screen like watching like MMA fights on like yeah. YouTube. It's <laughs> you just... get lost in you get lost in like that feed, whether it's Instagram or whether it's YouTube or Facebook. And once you get on that video roll, like, yeah. you don't stop. At the same time, you you feel like you should be more productive, especially running a company. Like, all right, what other ideas could I grab somewhere, or whatever? Yeah. But then when you look back at like two o'clock in the morning, like, did I really do anything? Like, maybe I should have. Uh, you know, like, maybe I could have done something better. You know. Just disassemble this computer and. Yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. Throw it out the window. Do you have any uh, heroes? Well, uh, my heroes, of course, are my parents. Definitely, they're who I find the most inspiration from in my entire life. My siblings too. That comes first. I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but I, I don't like really look up to that many people in the business realm as like my heroes. I kind of like consider myself to be my own hero. And and maybe some people will really interpret that as arrogant, but it's not at all. I think everybody should feel that way. Like you should always feel that you're your own hero, you know? Like you should you should work your hardest to to inspire yourself because when you inspire yourself you have a lot you have such a large platform to inspire others to touch others you know so always strive to be your own hero right that's like one thing that I believe more than anything and um, be extremely confident in everything you do like that that's just gonna just gonna accelerate you in every form of life like you're gonna be limitless you know then you have people that maybe are your secondary heroes Right, like people that you get motivation from, or people that you know. It reminds me of Snoop Dogg when he he made his speech in uh, L.A. when he got his star. I don't know if you. If Which you know. one was that? That's the one where he's like, "I want to thank me," <laughs> you know, and then uh, you know. No, he's a little bit of Kanye in that. No, 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 it's the way he he said it was similar to what you were saying. Yeah. So it's just, no, it's there was like a speech that I think yeah. Kanye like accepted like one major award years ago, and they were like. He like went up to stage and he was like, everybody was asking me like, what will happen if if you don't win this award? Like, what is what's gonna happen if Kanye West doesn't win? And he just like had the award in his hand, was on the mic, and was like, I guess we'll never know. And just like the way, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's like, I feel like Snoop Dogg does it in a smoother way where the public like accept him more uh-huh. versus Kanye. It's just like, anything he does is just like everyone's just like on his Yeah, uh huh, exactly. So, he causes yeah, he he gets people talking. For sure. I think that's just more the persona that's out there. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. Well, you already mentioned a couple books, but uh, do you have any other favorite books that you like? Um, favorite books? Uh, yeah, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Oh, I love Peter Thiel. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, he's Peter, Peter Thiel's awesome. Yeah. Definitely. I like that he's been attacking Google a little bit lately. Yeah. But that's a separate discussion. Okay, okay, we'll talk about that a little bit yeah. later. Any interesting things that we should know about you? I mean, like, people that know me know all this stuff pretty much. Like, I guess I, I'm basically from a, like, really traditional Greek family. I got, like, a really loud, crazy family that I'm from. So people will always, be, like, people that meet me, they're like, this yeah. guy's, like, so loud and, like, unfiltered and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's just, like, because of that where word? I come from. From yeah. New York. Yeah. Um, Malacca. Malacca. That's <laughs> it, man. Malacca. <laughs> so that's something you guys should look up. No, sure. no, no. <laughs> the, yeah. the meaning behind that. Yeah. 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 Learn a little bit of Greek today on this podcast. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, they, uh, I had a, a buddy who, uh, whose uh, dad owns villas in uh, Mykonos. 
Oh, Mykonos. Yeah, yeah. So he... I went. He was a, a good friend of mine, and we partied in Newport Beach and everything. He was, yeah. uh, he was a little crazy, but... Uh, well, yeah, Mykonos is, like, the craziest party island in the world, pretty much. Like, there's two beaches. There's there's Paradise Beach yeah. in Mykonos, yeah. and you know what the other one is called? Super Paradise Beach. Oh. What do you think you're going to take? Super. Super Paradise wow. Beach, yeah. right? So, no, but they're, it's crazy. Yeah. There's, like, anarchy on those islands. Yeah, he was telling me about this stuff. He, he was uh, definitely an interesting guy. Loved yeah. uh Loved their life. people there, yeah. Even celebrities, LeBron James. Was just, like, yeah, he was telling me about this like, stuff, yeah. 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 So, yeah. I think Lindsay Lohan just did a show or something. Yeah, Will Smith is in Greece right oh, yeah. now with his family. Like, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. yeah. Beautiful it's crystal water. Yeah. What's the one skill that you want to work on next year? I want to get into like consulting um, entrepreneurs that are going through this or hesitant about getting into it, and I wanted to like kind of make it maybe a like, little side thing about on that. Okay. Um, because so many people like reach out to me nonstop really? for advice to hop on a call, like they'll DM me. Like it happens. DM you on um, like Instagram. Instagram. Or? Okay. Like it happens all the time, um, and like I'm I'm so grateful that people come to me for advice and like perspective on things and that feels so good you know so uh, apparently people are, are noticing and and you know they're they're inspired by what I'm doing and that's like the most important thing to me I love that so I you know part of me feels like I want I want to help people even mm-hmm. one day in, in the future like I think the dream is to like become an entrepreneur like scale a massive company right like change the world and whether you continue to do that company forever or whether you sell that company um become an investor of your own and then obviously in that art like invest in other entrepreneurs and teach other people to to duplicate you know like what you've put into the world like that would be so cool to make make a massive company right like exit or continue to do it but be in that in that position where you can just like give speeches and talk to people go to classrooms go to universities from the business side of things and um, just create entrepreneurs is that pretty much Peter Thiel is that, is that that's how I feel I, okay. I love that that people are like what is your long term vision like I want to do that I want to be a teacher you know like I don't want to be like a history teacher but right. I want to be a teacher okay where can people find out more information about you you can follow me on LinkedIn connect with me on LinkedIn I should mm-hmm. say it's uh, Nick Nanakos as for our company, all of our social platforms are at Truckbucks. Our website is uh, truckbucks.com. And if anybody wants to. How do you to, spell that, Truckbucks? Truck, so T R U C K. Mm-hmm. And then Bucks is B U X, and that's one word, Truckbucks. Okay. And okay. if anybody wants to reach me direct, you can. it's fine. It's Nick at truckbucks.com. Okay. Perfect. Great interview. Thank you. Yes, it was awesome. Thank all you, right. David. Thanks for listening. I hope you got a nugget or two that you can use to grow your own company. I started this podcast because I had a lot of painful blind spots while running my own company and wanted to prevent the same mistakes for my audience and also to learn from people in the trenches. Personally, my biggest pain point was my office lease. After I closed down my company, I decided to focus helping people with their commercial real estate needs. The space could be an office, co-working, sublease, industrial, retail, restaurant, flex, or medical, whatever it is. If you or you know anyone that have commercial needs, feel free to reach out to me for questions about tenant representation. I strongly recommend getting good representation as it doesn't cost the company a dime 
since the landlord factors the cost and their price, whether they are represented or not. Not only do we help you find a space, but we work with you to structure the contract to tailor the risk and space to fit your company culture. And if issues come up years later, we will be there to help you at no cost to you. I can be reached by LinkedIn at David Park, Rethink Real Estate, R-E-T-H-I-N-C, Real Estate. Also by email, David at Rethink, R-E-T-H-I-N-C, Real Estate.com.